there are seven major strengths that we can build for building resilience. They're really helping you learn to be resilient is knowing what your strengths are. Once you know that, you'll be able to use that your go-to the rest of your life as a parent. Tune into your kids a little closer. What is the gateway to empathy, which is going to restore your relationship with your child? Having permission to share feelings. Welcome to Coffee with Romina. This is your host, Romina Muhammadai, award-winning leader, negotiation and sales expert, and your new favorite podcaster. Each week, we bring you inspiring stories from extraordinary people of diverse industries, sharing practical advice and tips on how to overcome career and personal obstacles, define your own success, and take charge of your own destination. Thank you for spending time with us today. Now let the show begin. Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome back to Coffee with Romina podcast. I hope you guys are having a tremendous and a beautiful and a sunny and a fabulous Tuesday or whatever day of the week you are listening to our episode on. Yes, I did have like three cups of coffee, you guys. You already know it. It's called Coffee with Romina podcast, so we're super duper excited and hyper here on our production team. If you are brand new to our podcast, I want to thank you so, so much for tuning into our show, and if you are one of our loyal listeners, super duper thank you again, you guys, for trusting me with your time. To our new listeners, a quick thing on your to-do list. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever you are getting your podcast juice from. If that is, as a matter of fact, Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a five-star review and a short comment. Tell us how amazing we are doing because, yes, those five stars, they do help the Apple Podcast algorithm a lot, you guys, and we do work very hard here. So we definitely want to make sure we reach new audiences to learn on improving their personal and career life. Just like I mentioned on last week's episode, today we are going going to talk about how we can help our young ones actually strive and build resilience. I'm very excited about today's episode, you guys. Dr. Michelle is an educational psychologist. She is an award-winning author of 24 books translated in 19 languages. So I'm very excited about today's episode because we are going to get to the core of how we would be able to build future leaders, how we'd be able to build resilience on our young ones, and also for the parents, how we'd be able to stimulate and encourage creativity in our young ones, even under a budget, as well as how we can be the caring champion adult to help the children become the best version of themselves. That doesn't have to be only with parents, but if you're an uncle, if you're an auntie, you might have a friend that has a young one, or if you're a professional or an educator, this episode is absolutely for you. One thing that I loved about today's interview, because Dr. Borba not only has been on today's show over 150 times, she's been on Dateline, on Dr. Phil, The View, Dr. Oz, Fox and Friends, Anderson Cooper, she's been everywhere, and she's been featured multiple times on Times, Washington Post. I mean, her resume is just amazing, right? But one thing that I love about her the most is for her latest books, Thrivers, she actually interviewed over 500 kids, where she also is able to analyze for us major obstacles in children's world nowadays and how we can resolve them and move towards untangling these issues because every generation has different issues. The reason why I actually chose November 2nd (laughs) as this episode is because I know holidays is coming around the corner. I know we're going to be busy with our young ones and I want the parent, I want the adults to actually take a moment and know that it's never too late to actually work with your kids, help them setting up new year goals and be able to help them improve and reach new goals because sometimes we think 
our children, oh, it's too late. They already have habits, right? They already do one, two, three. I'm not going to change that. If that was the case scenario, the personal development industry for adults would be non-existent. So if we can change as adults, if we can improve our lives, we can absolutely help our young ones too and make sure that maybe, maybe you are raising the next president or maybe you are raising the next genius that is going to come up with an invention that is going to help everybody's life. So you just never know who you're raising. So I don't want to lose any more time, you guys. I definitely want you to enjoy this episode, learn ways of how we can encourage independence in our kids and how we can, as adults, practice patience as well. And the number one thing also that I would like to focus and pay highly attention to this one, you guys, is how we can mirror optimism to our young ones, even though we have dark, clouded moments of our lives. That's absolutely very important. Before we do jump today's episode, finally though, I do want to give a big shout out to my podcast guest reviewers. I love it when I read these reviews because all the work that we put behind this production, it just gets a big reward whenever we get a five-star review and amazing comment. So today I want to give a big shout out to Atlantis, which says amazing advice and tips. Her content and guest shares amazing advice and tips, but Romina herself is awesome <laughs> and I've seen her present her story twice and constantly in awe. Aw, that's so cute. I love this podcast and everything that it brings. Thank you so, so much. I really appreciate that. And another comment says, Coffee with Romina is truly inspiring. Love when somebody keeps it real like this. So glad to have discovered this podcast. We have some amazing reviews, you guys. If you have not given us a review yet, go ahead and give us a five-star on Apple Podcast. Other than that, I have nothing else to say, but uh, enjoy. Michelle, how are you doing today? Oh, I am just doing so well. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited for this episode. Like I mentioned on the bio, you guys, we do have Dr. Michelle Barbin, and she is an educational psychologist. And I'm excited to dive into the juicy questions. But first, I want to pass on the mic to you. If you can do a quick recap and tell the audience, how did you go about having the career that you have right now? How I came about it is every time a phone call came, I answered it and said, yes, (laughs) it wasn't a, a straight path. I started out as a special education teacher. Then I got a doctorate in educational psychology and counseling. I had amazing editors who kept calling me to write books. And so they just kept going. But probably the pivotal moment was I started working internationally with schools all over the world, but 19 different countries. And then the Today Show asked me to be a contributor. So Worked with them 150 times, uh, and it has been incredible because it just keeps widening your uh, knowledge about life. I got hooked into this particular topic on how to raise thrivers. That was my the book that I'm out right now because I've been seeing so many children, not only across our country, but around the world who are failing to learn the skills of resilience, and then came the pandemic. So now we need to dive in and help our kids learn to thrive. Absolutely. And that actually ties in perfect to my next question, because I want to ask, how can we help our future leaders build resilient skills to use this learning times, I would say, during COVID for them to in the future to say, hey, we've been through this. Let's not do this. We actually learn our best while we were young. So how do we help them look at things from a good perspective, too, even though with everything else going on around the world? 
Well, first of all, we do know now that there are seven major strengths that we can build for building resilience. So if you realize as a parent or as an adult that resilience is teachable, that makes a major difference on all of this. In Thrivers, what I do is ask you to go to the beginning and take an asset survey, figuring out where your strengths are, because the first asset to really helping you learn to be resilient is knowing what your strengths are. Who are you as a person? And start being aware of those. Uh, the fascinating thing during this pandemic is, is maybe it's learning to figure out what your hobby is. What's your decompressor? What's your go-to that you need to help you? You know, everybody's saying, go take a bubble bath. They may work for some people, but what's going to work for you? Once you know that, you'll be able to use that, your go-to the rest of your life as a parent. Tune into your kids a little closer. What do they gravitate towards? What energizes them? What do they spend a little more time learning? What gives them joy? And if they don't have those, then start introducing hobbies or interests like grandma can teach them knitting or daddy can say, let's do some woodworking. Figure out what really excites your child because they will use that the rest of their lives when push comes to shove and it'll give them a little more energy. So for parents also, the busy parents are running or doing a hundred things at once, you know, like they weren't before, but I feel like their plate is even more full now. How can they actually build those healthy relationships with the child and actually welcome those conversations whenever they're going through lonely moments or stressful moments? Because kids sometimes they just overreact. They don't necessarily show the emotions, but they just show it with their actions. How can we open that door and teach our children to express emotions instead of showing it with anger? Well, number two is the second trait is, is empathy. What is the gateway to empathy, which is going to restore your relationship with your child? Having permission to share feelings. And we don't do that nearly enough. Instead, we make too often for the meltdown or we become so irritable. So maybe the second thing that you can do, all of these are not a one-time lesson of let's do it at six o'clock, but ongoing weaving it into your family or your home play. And that is start talking feelings more naturally. Share your own, you know, I'm getting frustrated or I'm really stressed or uh, gosh, it looks like you're getting a little irritated. Mm -hmm. When kids know they have permission to share that, then you can teach them, which is the third strength, self-control, coping strategies. You can't learn to cope and say, I need to take a deep breath unless you realize I'm starting to get stressed. So if you spend maybe the next couple of weeks going around and pointing out each child's unique stress sign and your own, what you can then do is say, have you noticed that right before you get really upset, you always make your hands go into a fist or you start taking those slow, deep breaths or you start grinding your teeth. Just point out those are body warning signs that are wonderful for grownups as well as kids. Next thing you can do is start introducing coping strategies. Now, for some kids, that hobby that you taught before, like going to the books or listening to soothing music can be their go-to. For other kids, it may be teaching them slow, deep breathing. In fact, the fastest way to relax is immediately tell yourself, calm down. I'm starting to get upset. Now take a slow, deep breath from real deep in your stomach, abdomen, like you're riding up an elevator. Keep focusing in on the breath. Hold it. Now slowly let it out. If your exhale is twice as long as your inhale you'll actually teach your kid the fastest way to relax. And if you do it with your child, oh my gosh, voila, what you'll now do is have co-regulation. You're regulating together, which is going to be glorious because you're going to be learning the skill at the same time your child is. And that's very important because at the same time, we're building self-awareness, which is an important skill to have. It's an important thing to have an adult life. But also you did mention a lot 
parent-child relationship. And sometimes I feel like even as adults, we have a lot to work through internally in order for us to be the best parent that we can be. So is there like a program that you put the parents together with the children for this? Like what's your correlation to help the big person you know, help the smaller person. How the big person helps the little person is first of all, realize that kids who are resilient and have thrivers have parents who are also thrivers who are calm themselves. So don't worry if you're not, most people aren't these days. Your first thing would be to take a moment and say, I need to model what I want my kid to copy. And the second thing is if you look at the book Thrivers, it is actually an entire parenting guide of toolkit of how do you raise a resilient kid, but you can flip through anything and say, that's the skill I want. That's the skill I need. And then what we do know is that if you teach that skill to somebody else, even if you ask your child, go teach it to the teddy bear or go teach it to your brother or go teach it to the little guy next door, your child is going to learn that skill much better. So too will you if you teach it to your child. So your whole family will be doing the same skill. That's extraordinarily wonderful way to uh, just have a healthy relationship with your kids. Absolutely. And I know you keep mentioning the, the your recent book, Thrivers, that you wrote. Now, for the book, you've interviewed all, over 500 kids to get to the root of the issue and try to make the best guide and the best helpful tips that you can do for them. What are some of the major obstacles that children have nowadays that are not sur- surfaced as much that might cause like anxiety or loneliness or stress? What are some other obstacles that kids are going through that we need to definitely highlight and help them? The kids were mind boggling because they actually replicated the CDC and all the mental health. When I asked them one-on-one, this is an hour each. Mm-hmm. I understand you're the most stressed out generation known to man. There wasn't a kid who didn't deny it. I said, oh, say so what's causing it? And they said a number of things, uh, not in any particular order because every kid is a little different, but it's a different generation. Number one, they said social media. We're always comparing ourselves to others. Other kids said, because we're always online, we're not reading each other as well. So it's really tough to be able to feel empathetic with each other when I can't read the the other person's emotions. Wow, that was a huge red flag going, we need to talk emotions far more. Uh, Then came uncertainty. Obviously, the pandemic came, but they were already in an uncertain world. Too much focus on the grades. And not enough on who am I. I I wish that my parents would see me more as a human being and not a product and a test score. That was hurtful from some kids, but that was what they were. I need to learn coping strategies. Aren't you learning coping strategies? I said, yeah, but you don't learn it in a textbook. You got to practice this stuff over and over again. And many kids, interestingly enough, also said my parents are doing too much for me. So I'm not really having a chance to be able to learn how to do this stuff on my own. Many of the kids who had just been accepted to Ivy League said, my biggest concern is flunking life because I don't know how to do my checkbook or I don't know how to do, how to run the microwave. Fascinating stuff. Every child is different, but we do know that we have to help our kids learn to handle life on their own. Thrivers to me, the definition is a kid who says, I got it. And that means you're allowing kids slowly to be able to recognize they've got the skills. For instance, problem solving, creativity. When your child comes home, maybe this is a goldmine possibility to sit down and say, what's bugging you, sweetie pie? Yeah. So what are two or three things that you could do and then teach them brainstorming? So they realize everything's in their brain. You just got to storm it for possibilities. 
Do you think maybe the culture that we're living through, like a lot of adults want to be independent, want to have that alpha personality is like, I got this, I can do everything. Maybe that's also kind of blocking us for delegating things to do around the house for the children and actually help them grow up eventually. Do you think there's a correlation in there somehow? Well, there there could be a correlation. But frankly, what also happens is many times we rescue our kids when we interview parents as to why. First of all, because it's easier. We're exhausted trying to do it all. And it's a lot easier to say, I'll do it, as opposed to spending the time teaching the kid how to recorrect the bed or do the you know, the savings account correctly. The second thing is it's really hard to watch your kid fail. You don't want you. We really want healthy, happy kids. But in the end, if we keep doing it for them, what we realize is there's a long-term disadvantage. And that is our kids are not going to be able to learn the thriving skills. And that was the reason I wrote Thrivers. Here's the things that your kid will need, because in the end, the, the benchmark of good parenting is for your kid to live well without you. Absolutely. Yeah, you definitely want to set them up for the future and be successful in the future. Now, let me ask you culturally, is there a difference in the collective people there, like from collective cultures, such as Albania, for example, like I am different than maybe some cultures, there are more individualistic cultures. Is there a difference in there too of how they raise their kids and the success that their kids would have? Yeah, I love that. I just did Hong Kong last night. So here's Hong Kong, pretty as a collective group. But the fascinating thing I asked, what are you most concerned about? Anxiety, loneliness, and kids feeling like they don't have a sense of hope. That's Hong Kong. The week before it was the Philippines. What are you most concerned about? Anxiety, stress, the feeling kids of lonely. Uh, Next week is Ireland. Now, each country is different as night and day, but I think everybody is finally realizing the pandemic has created some real stress factors in kids. And no matter where I go, everybody seems to be having the same issues. And uh, you also talk about the multiplier effect a lot. What is it and how can it help kids thrive exactly? There are seven strengths that I chose based on science of resilience. These are the same seven strengths, confidence, empathy, uh, self-control, integrity, curiosity, perseverance, and optimism. Why did those have to do with resilience? they all help kids learn that I got it feeling. But they're the same seven traits universally that also help kids become peak performers. So it's not either or. These are fascinating in terms of what science says. Every parent would always ask, which is the most important of those seven? What I discovered is there really isn't one important trait. But if you just teach one, it isn't going to give them that amplifier superpower effect. You pair any two traits or any three traits together after you teach them, They multiply and create this multiplier effect. They amplify them. And so it's far more powerful to go with what's your child's strength of the seven. Keep emphasizing it because that's going to help your kid become who they are and reduce the stress. And then add on what's the strength that's lying dormant of those seven. Maybe it's coping strategies or optimism. Teach that and it's going to multiply the other strength. And so you're going to have a win-win and the kid's going to be far more likely to be mentally healthier and resilient. And you did mention earlier, too, that a lot of this skills and mechanisms are not taught to the children. Do you think also maybe we should change educational system at a very younger age to apply this knowledge to help children? Because to me, it's mind blowing that like emotion intelligence or body language or things of that nature are not really taught in like high school or elementary school to kind of learn the basics of it. And then, you know, the curiosity will awaken it within the kids. But what do you think we should change in the educational system since we this podcast is in America to help our children in the future as well? more 
to be more resilient and to thrive more. Interestingly enough, it's educators who are buying into this faster than the parent. And what you're seeing across the country and across the world is social emotional learning that is now being implemented in schools. So that alone, SEL, you're going to see is going to be a bigger impact. And you, we parents should be reinforcing that. That said, every single chapter in Thrivers, I visited a school someplace in the world, including Beirut, around the world, seeing some mind-bogglingly simple, powerful ways that schools are adding these up and taking them up a notch. But now I've got schools every place across the country who are calling in across the world saying, teach me more about these. So I always tell a school, look at the seven and say, which one are you already doing? Mm-hmm. Give yourself credit for that. If you're already teaching self-control, then which ones are lying dormant that you need to tune up a notch? And some of the schools are now realizing they need to be more strength-based. And so they're doing genius hour. That is helping the kid figure out what they're passionate about or want to learn more. And maybe once a month they're delving in and each kid is individually learning about that. That's going to help the child or Odyssey of the Mind, which is an international competition of helping the kids learn to problem solve. So they're more creative and natural in their curiosity. We all have strengths as our own home in terms of parents, in our schools, in terms of teachers. What we got to do is figure out which one are we already good at and which ones are lying dormant that we should take up a little notch so that we're raising in the end kids who are graduating from our systems. And we can say that's generation thrivers. What a great concept that would be. Absolutely. I mean, the future leaders, right? This is going to be our future leaders going to be the next generation for us. Let me ask you this, though. How can a parent mirror optimism to their child even when the parent is going through a dark, clouded moment? Uh, I know we're going through a pandemic right now, but there's a lot of life event changes that the parents go through and that gets, you know, resembled to the children or to the energy and the atmosphere around the house. So how can parents mirror optimism no matter what they're going through to keep up that hope and that energy positive for the child? Number one is you have got to realize as a parent that your stress and your pessimism spills over to your kid. So I think the first thing is realize the power you have. They are copying us. Second, as a parent, realize that optimism is teachable at any age. So certain ideas you can do is start catching it. And that is listening to your inner thoughts and start catching the negativity before it spills over. And if you start getting into that after a while, it'll really help you. Some parents are doing gratitude journals so that they're starting to jot down what are some more blessings as opposed to the negative. Other parents are, I'm realizing that the news is really creating a dismal state in me and I'm turning it off or reading a newspaper instead. The most amazing story, I was interviewing a journalist, she must have been 85. And I asked her, uh, how did you endure, because she was English, How did you endure the London Blitz when you were living in London as a kid and every night you were hearing air raid sirens, bombings going off and waking up and seeing the horrificness of what was happening in London from the bombings? She stopped and she said, you know, I never thought about it. I said, what do you mean you didn't think about it? She says, I don't remember the bombings. I said, how could you not remember the bombings? Well, I remember a little bit of the air raid sirens, but the minute the air raid sirens came, My parents would pull the black shades, which we had to, to do blackout. And then we'd start singing songs and play Ring Around the Rosie. She said, that's what I remember. My parents and grandparents wanted to instill hope and optimism and realize that they had to check their own. I went, wow, that's powerful stuff. Anna Freud did a study on that and discovered that's exactly how we got through the the war. Is it a genetic thing too, maybe though, towards 
thrivers? Because you said whenever you grow around parents that are thrivers, you know, the children are more likely to be thrivers. But is that genetically too? No, a very small portion of it. But very often those parents became thrivers because that's how they were raised. So it spills down over, which means as many parents would go, my gosh, is it too late? It's never too late. You'll see so many books out for adults right now on resilience. But I think what we got to do is get a handle on it and push the reset button. If it's not a pandemic, we got to realize this is a very uncertain world we're raising our kids in. Who knows what's going to be coming down the pike next? And in order for our kids to thrive or at least be mentally healthy during some real tough times, We got to take care of ourselves so we can take care of our kids. The best thing is this stuff is teachable. I mean, Mm -hmm. my website, if you go into my website, it'll give you dozens of free downloads that'll just say, in fact, one of them is an educator discussion guide. How do we get this into the hands of the, of the educators? If you're a teacher, you'd say, how do I get this into the hand of the parent? Well, there's an educator. There's also a discussion guide for parents. Let's start talking the same language. That'll help us alone. If we shrink the village and we all start getting on board together, that's how we'll help each other. And I actually have a curious question about curiosity. As children, you know, sometimes children's minds are a little bit too crazy or, you know, the kids have too much of imagination, but that's a good thing because it means that their mind is going, is thinking, and they have a high curiosity, which means that they want to learn more. What advice would you say maybe for a parent that the child is curious on a certain item that they cannot afford it at the moment, but what other ways we can go about it so we don't burn the curiosity of the children, still have it spark up and maybe find other uh, successful pathways to go about it? A couple of things that we do know of what curtails curiosity, what curtails creativity. We already know internationally it stops, it starts going down at age five because we become too focused on the what did you get on the grade of giving the absolute perfect answer that many of the games our kids play have only one solution to them. The first thing is just being helping our kids be open to ideas, Mm -hmm. putting them outside and go look at a leaf can be glorious. Look at the clouds going by. You don't have to pay anything for creativity. It's already around. The first thing is help your child realize you're open to endless possibilities. That's the first thing. Making sure that many of the things that you offer your child aren't rewarded. We do know that creativity goes down when a kid thinks they're going to get a trophy for the best idea. They've actually done that with very artistic children. And as soon as they started rewarding the kids for their artistic abilities, they stopped being artistic. So watch ourselves. And when your child asks a why question, keep the why question going. I know they can be annoying after a while, but the best thing is when you don't know the answer, go, that's a great question. Let's go find that out. Let's go figure that out because I don't know, but wow, I'm so glad that you asked. The more we're open-ended to those ideas, the best place I ever saw in my life was the MIT Multimedia Lab at Cambridge. Most brilliant minds in the world. I mean, Artificial intelligence, Surrey, name uh, you know, name something that's extraordinary has been invented there. I spent the day there working with guys whose IQ is coming out of their heads. But I'm like, why are they so creative? The first thing is they got a rule there. Failure is an option. It's okay to fail here. It's okay to make a mistake. In fact, you won't be successful unless you make one. But the key is figuring out, so what are you going to do differently? What you learn from it? Then secondly, you can invent anything in this place as long as it betters humanity. But the other option that is clear is that you work as teams. 
You're collaborative. Find other people and just start spinning the ideas off. If you don't know what the answer is, ask somebody else. So you're watching multidisciplinaries from neurosciences, working with mathematicians, working with musicians, working with artists. Can you imagine? What we do too often is we pigeonhole kids where just work with the artist, just work with the mathematician. And as a result, the best inventions in the world are coming out because they create the rules that open up your hearts and your creativity. Is there a proportion, you would say, or a ratio that children that come maybe from divorced families and children that come from not divorced families, but unhealthy environment, you know, in that family, is there a difference of the thriving of the children in the future? Yeah, because what we do know, there's three things that thrivers have in common. And this is based on phenomenal research on longitudinal studies. Um, Amy Warner, Norm Garmese, Ann Master, just so you know that there really are studies that have been studying the same groups of kids who have overcome extraordinary adversity, like war zones and homelessness and schizophrenic parents. And they discover first commonalities, why I chose the seven traits because they kept coming up over and over in those studies. But the second thing is there's an environment or an atmosphere, someplace that this child is being raised in. And if it's not the home, it could be the school or it could be the youth camp or it could be a church or a synagogue, someplace that child can go to that he feels safe and there's a sense of trust. That's why schools can very often be the safe haven for kids. The second most highly correlated tractor is that they've learned protective buffers. And all, everything we're talking about right now, from problem solving to coping skills to creativity, those are what I call protective buffers. You learn those skills. Those are all through thrivers. The third thing is we've also alluded to, they have a caring champion adult who refuses to give up at the kid. And if it's not the parent, teachers come up the second. So maybe it's great aunt Sally. Or maybe it's grandma or it's the neighbor next door, but every kid needs somebody who says, I'm there for you and I refuse to give up on you. You put those together, you get the makings of, wow, that kid's going to go places. And that's what all the research said. They did endure. They did bounce back. The adversity did not squelch them. They are thriving in spite of the problems. I just have to say, I'm loving this conversation, you guys, to so the audience out there. I'll attach the link on the show notes too, to where you can definitely connect with Dr. Michelle. But let me ask you this, from all the interviews that you have done or all the interaction that you may have done, is there the one kid just stands out that you know this is going to be like the next president? It's going to have oh, those yes. skills that they have? Yes, yes, yes. He was a seven-year-old named Adam and I met him in Dubai. He was doing a keynote on why teachers should allow kids to think outside the box. And here's the top educators all over the country doing the keynote. That kid took down the house. Everybody stood up and gave him a standing ovation. Adam nailed it. He also had parents who were helping him thrive. He was a naturally creative, curious kid. He's in the book Thrivers. In fact, I interviewed so many kids. I went, oh my gosh, this kid is just incredible. I loved him. Adam, hopefully he'll be out there and be the leader of the world because that's what the world needs. They need the Adams. <laughs> I would love to meet Adam. He sounds oh, awesome. He's glorious. Oh my goodness. Well, uh, what's a new and exciting project that you're working on that you definitely like to share with us? We'd love to hear what else is going on in your world. Oh, thank you. What's going on in my world right now is just try to get thrivers out there and dispel the myth that resilience is a program or one trait. Uh, and it's been absolutely fascinating. I Every time I work with a group, I mean, 
just the educators from Hong Kong. They did, they wanted to know if they could create a, a year and make the whole country's theme be thriving. Can you imagine that? It's getting there. I think the first thing is everybody realizes this is doable. We just need to reset and think this through and go, let's look at the science. Let's follow the science because that's going to make us feel like, okay, we're going to get better results. So we're going to get, you know, thriving ourselves instead of messing around with some of these ideas that aren't following the science. And then we get discouraged and go, that isn't working. It won't work unless it's scientifically proven. And there's simple little things we can do to make a difference. Oh my goodness. Where can the audience definitely connect with you? Oh, thanks. I'm Michelle Borba. I'm a 1L Michelle and my last name Borba rhymes with Zorba. So there you go. Michelle Borba. Real easy. I love it. I'll attach on the show notes, you guys, the link. So go ahead and click there for my lazy listeners. It's just one tap away. You guys cannot get easier than that. Come on now. Now, my very last question, which I have to be biased. This is my favorite question to ask my guests. Yeah. As a matter of fact, what is your personal definition of success? Just anybody who tries their hardest and does their personal best and gets there. Whatever it is, don't compare yourself to somebody else. It's what you're trying to do and where you're aiming for. And when you give it your all and you get there, my gosh, pat yourself on the back and go sing. Cause that's, that is to me success. I love it. Thank you so much again for being a part of Copy with Romina podcast. You are so welcome. I loved it. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed the conversation with Dr. Michelle. Make sure to tune in next week as we are going to talk about AI, AI world, and what does that mean for employment and new opportunities. Till next week, your favorite podcaster, Romina, is out for now. Bye. This podcast is a 6-7 Radius production. To learn more about 6-7 Radius, our services, and how we can help you strategize your marketing and increase your sales, click the service tab on connectwithromina.com.